Okay, I hope you have your thinking cap on today because it's time to dive into Mark 13 and try to sort out a long, dense lecture Jesus gives his disciples at the end of this already long day of ministry. This is a story in scripture that has caused all sorts of debate over the years. Friends fight over it, churches split over it, denominations are formed by it. But don't worry, I've got it figured out, and I'm going to give you the ultimate answer in 10 minutes. I'm kidding. But I do have some thoughts, and so I'm just going to let you enjoy the story, and then I'll give you some simple thoughts to accompany it in the hopes that maybe it will spark some more curiosity for you. So let's go. Welcome to Season 6 of Stories in Scripture, a podcast dedicated to telling the big story of the Bible one piece at a time. In this season, we are walking through Mark's Gospel. Our hope is that these short episodes would lead you into more, into a time of reading, reflection, prayer, whatever it is for you. The goal is that you let the amazing story about the Savior of the world transform the way you live out your life today. Peter had never been so glad to see the sun start to set. This was becoming his favorite time of the day, the time they snuck back to Bethany and just got to hang out together, especially after the day they had just had. And that is why Peter shot Thaddeus one of the dirtiest looks he's ever shot anyone when he spoke up as they left the temple. Look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Jesus stopped walking. The disciples obediently followed suit. Do you see all these great buildings? He said. Not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. Peter's stomach turned over. What? The temple? Coming down? When? How? But Jesus had started walking again. Peter and the crew fell back in line, only to realize that Jesus had stopped once again when he got to the Mount of Olives. He sent most of the disciples into town to get supplies for the night, and now only Peter, Andrew, James, and John were left. And they asked the obvious follow-up question, Jesus, tell us when these things will happen, and what will be the sign that they are all about to be fulfilled? Jesus exhaled deeply. Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name, claiming I am he and will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginning beginning of birth pains. Peter looked over to his comrades and was glad to see their eyes were as wide as his. You must be on your guard, Jesus continued. You will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them, and the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given you at the time. 
for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. Everyone will hate you because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you see the abomination that causes desolation, standing where it does not belong, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the housetop go down or enter the house to take anything out. Let no one in the field go back to get their cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that this will not take place in winter because those will be days of distress, unequaled from the beginning when God created the world until now and never to be equaled again. Everything in Peter wanted to interrupt, but he had learned not to. He knew better than to chime in when Jesus was on a roll like this. If the Lord had not cut short those days, Jesus said, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, whom he has chosen, he has shortened them. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Messiah, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. So be on your guard. I have told you everything ahead of time. But in those days, following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory, and he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Okay, take a deep breath. That was a lot. Mark 13 is dense. I love that it seems to all happen at the end of a Tuesday, too. Like he just spent an entire day in this all-out theological battle, and they are about to go home and crash for the night. But one little comment from one of the disciples about how beautiful the temple is sets him into a very long and intense lecture. Now here's the starting point for understanding this. Jesus starts the chapter by talking about the temple being destroyed. And about 40 years later, in AD 70, that literally happens. Rome laid siege to Jerusalem and destroyed it, forcing the people to flee. Now that brings up a really interesting question. Is Jesus's entire discourse in chapter 13 about that event in 70 AD? when Rome destroys the temple? Or is Jesus referring to the end times, when Jesus is going to return, an event that we are still working toward in anticipation? Or a third option, because everything underneath the umbrella of eschatology, which is the study of the end times, is just so confusing. Some scholars believe part of Mark 13 is about the event in AD 70, and part of what Jesus was saying is about the end times we're still working toward. 
but you can see why this is an important debate. If it's true that Jesus is only referring to the destruction of the temple in AD 70, well, think about how often you hear people say things like, well, these must be the end times because there's earthquakes, because there's wars and rumors of wars, when really Jesus was just giving people a warning about when to know Rome was about to sack Jerusalem. He was telling them when to stick around and stand your ground, but when you see the abomination of desolation, a moment in the temple when Rome does something completely egregious, it's time to run. But then other scholars make the compelling case that Jesus is talking about his return, about the end times. And to be fair, a lot of the language, especially toward the tail end of the chapter, starts to sound a lot like his return. For example, but in those days, following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Typically, the scholars who see it as both see the first 13 verses as Jesus talking about the fall of Jerusalem, and then in verse 14, Jesus shifts to talking about his return. Now, you are into this topic, you're already shouting your opinion at me, I get it, I just flew over this whole thing from 30,000 feet and didn't pick a side, but the truth is, this isn't the podcast for that debate. And so, instead, let me leave you with one really big takeaway that all of these scholars agree on. Jesus is coming back. How and when, we don't know. Jesus even tells us, but about the day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, be alert. Or in other words, live today with forever in mind. At the end of the day, I think that's the attitude Jesus was leaving his disciples with at the end of this marathon of a day. I think he was trying to get them to see that there will always be the little day-to-day frustrations and battles, but in the end, he will return to put things right once and for all. And so expend your energy on things that will matter for eternity. Use your words to build people up. Use your resources to bring heaven to earth. Use your creativity to come up with new ideas to bring restoration to earth and use your strength to not just dream up ideas, but put them into action. Whatever Mark 13 is about, I know at the very least it's about that. And I also have come to believe that if that's all you get out of it, then it's enough, especially if it propels you toward action, to live today with forever in mind. Thank you for listening to this episode of Stories in Scripture. We hope season six is bringing Mark's gospel to life for you, and that this episode helped you see the bigger picture Mark is painting for us. If you are enjoying this podcast, we'd love for you to share it with your friends, and rating and review it goes a long way as well. We love getting to tell these stories and appreciate you coming along for the ride. So we'll see you next time for our next story.